And I'm sorry, like, if these men were, like, as hard all the time as they're talking about in this book, like, they would be arrested on campus for public indecency. <laughs> like, yes. if- Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. This month, I regret to inform you all, there are going to be two business majors on the pod. Please forgive me. Um, however, my friend Brennan is coming on the pod to talk about the Off Campus series by L. Ken- Kennedy at his recommendation. So, Brennan... Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. What's up? Yeah. So, um, real quick, I'll give my qualifications. Um, like you said, uh, I, so I was a communications major in college. Um, but the focus was business. So we got, that's where like you and I connect on that level. Um, I, for like other, other qualifications, I, uh, took women's mystery as one of my writing classes and I actually got a B in it, which, you know, I mean, I thought I did pretty good in it, if I'm being honest, but, um, because of that, like, I've also, I, that's how I kind of got, not like how I got into reading, but it like, uh, gave me a lot of like reading experience. Um, you know, I've got some, some authors under my belt. We got some, I read some Elizabeth Peters, Agatha Christie, um, Louise Penny. Um, so I would say I, I'm an avid enjoyer of those. But yeah, that's mostly that's mostly what I'm doing on the on the literature side. That's I feel like that's what I've got in my bag. I mean, aside from the L. Kennedy off campus oh, books. Yes. The L. Kennedy so um my intro into like I guess reading as a hobby was actually the L. Kennedy books. Like I I really didn't read like casually instead of like unless like it's like Percy Jackson. I used to reread those all the time. Um but a friend put me on to uh, the off-campus series, and I was like, whatever, these are lame. But I came to, like, I read these, I read them all, and I cleaned them so fast, I was like, these, like, these were really, like, um, like, some of my favorites. So I was super happy, and, like, I was, I plug, I plug these books to everybody, um, especially, like, whenever you were talking about, like, books you needed, I was like, oh my gosh, tough, we have to do these. <laughs> Yeah, I will admit, guys, this is the, I just like to put it out in the open. This is the second time we've recorded this episode. We had a classic first week new guest audio snafu. Um, that was partially my fault. Um, because my wifi was not working very well and I was not doing a good job of listening to Brennan when he said that he could not hear me. Um, so that's foul on me, but we are re-recording the deal. And, oh no, I forgot why I started this sentence. Oh, I remember why. Guys, I have read all five of these books and I am going to go out of my way to read other books by this author because they are so consumable. Like, I don't even- She has hits. She does have hits. She really does. Like, I, uh, I compared her, like, uh, I was like, so I stumbled upon these. A friend put me on and I was like, these are like the reading, like, it's like listening to Kanye for the first time. That's like literally what I compared it to in my head. I was like, oh my gosh, these are like, she has like platinum tracks for real. Al Kennedy rocks. So 
I think that's really interesting. So when I think of like boy books, I think of the stuff that like Sam reads where like roll your eyes all you want, but he like just finished War and Peace and he's reading The Expanse right now, which is like consumable. Like you can read it and the purpose is to like enjoy it, but it's like, it's like complicated sci-fi or like Tolstoy or like he's a big Cormac McCarthy guy. And like, I think that it's really fun that you're excited to just like consume a book. Because like, when I think of like boy books, like it's never something that you're supposed to read in like 10 minutes and then be like, okay, where's the next one? Yeah. Yeah. I would take that. Like, uh, I really like, I agree with that as well. Like boy books are like, like adult books. I've always like, felt like are kind of lame. Like I, uh, I read, um, like the art of war. That's like a common one that like dudes, dudes in like business want to read or like, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Like those are like, like nonfiction books that like you read for like, like I feel like that's how like guys would read and like guys normally read is like reading with for like career purposes. But I, I, I am one to like enjoy like a good like, I'm reading this as I would like watch a TV show, you know, like I'm reading this just for entertainment value. Um, but I, I, I didn't know Sam was into like war and peace like that. That's, that's cool. He just finished it. It took him four months. He did outing Sam as crying on a plane over war and peace on the way to SFI. I love that level of connection. That's cool. Yeah, he really has been reading. And the good bit, which um I feel like I've talked about this on the pod before, was that he could refer to it as, like, WAP the entire time. So yeah. he really would just be, like, sending a text that said, like, WAP time, don't bother me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, which, the abbre- like, crazy abbreviation right there, but yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and he didn't think of it on his own Jess Tiller came up with it, and he was, frankly, so upset that he didn't do it by himself. He was like, oh my god, it's been right there in front of my face the entire time, and I just, like, didn't. I didn't do it. Yeah, shout out to Jess. She also is, like, she's good at beating people to the punchline on jokes. That is a... But I, I totally understand that. Okay, let's talk about the deal. For sure. Let's see. I gotta pull up the back of the book on Libby. Because did you do any L. Kennedy research? I did not well? do any L. Kennedy research because when I looked her up on Wikipedia, literally all I found out was just like the books that she wrote, and that's it. Okay, cool. I don't know if there's any like crazy backstory. No, she's Canadian. I don't really know if like that is anything. Um, Explains the hockey, honestly. It does explain the hockey. Okay. The international bestseller, Get Ready for Another Binge-Worthy Romance from New York Times bestselling author L. Kennedy. She's about to make a deal with the college bad boy. Um, interrupting reading the back here, these are the cheesiest fucking back covers I've ever read in my life. Yeah, it really is like the Netflix bio. Like, they're really, like, it is written like that. Hannah Wells has finally found someone who turns her on, but while she might be confident in every other area of her life, she's carting around a full set of baggage when it comes to sex and seduction. If she wants to get her crush's attention, she'll have to step out of her comfort zone and make him take notice. 
even if it means tutoring the annoying, childish, cocky captain of the hockey team in exchange for a pretend date. And it's going to be oh so good. No punctuation there, by the way. And it's going to be oh so good does not have a period. All Garrett Graham has ever wanted is to play professional hockey after graduation, but his plummeting GPA is threatening everything he's worked so hard for. If helping a sarcastic brunette make another guy jealous will help him secure his position on the team, he's all for it. But when one unexpected kiss leads to the wildest sex of both their lives, it doesn't take long for Garrett to realize that pretend isn't going to cut it. Now he just has to convince Hannah that the man she wants looks a lot like him. Okay. Yeah, that's the plot. Basically, yeah. They kind of, they give you the, uh, kind of like the tropes that they're going with. The, like, they kind of give you the deal set up as well, so. Yeah, I will say she doesn't, they don't really go into Garrett's trauma at all. Like, I think that they do a really good job of, like, selling this book as, like, the, like, hockey college bodice ripper for what it is. Do you know what a bodice ripper is, Brennan? Uh, no, actually, you can educate me on that one. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what it means. So, do you know when you go to half-price books with your friends? I don't know, maybe that's a girl thing to do. In high school, there was an ice cream place right by half-price books, so we would go get ice cream on college night, and then we would go to half-price books after we ate our ice cream. It actually is a very cherished memory to me. But oftentimes, we would go, and we would go to the, like, Harlequin section, which is the, uh, like, smaller bound books that have like the women in the like renaissance outfits or things like that so bodice rippers are just like smutty romance books with a woman in a corset on the front because like inevitably bodice ripped yeah isn't it like a reference to their like how they're dressed on the cover like exactly exactly okay yeah but this is this is just a horny hockey bodice ripper essentially yeah it, um, but I, I, I didn't read these like so. Whenever, uh, whenever I was like getting through books, uh, I found the alternate covers that have the like the uh, the uh, dudes who with like the, the pictures on the covers are like dudes with their abs out, or like I found like the boy covers, and I was like, yeah, this is more mainly to read. Like uh, I meant like I'm a firm believer that these books are for the bros, and so whenever um, I never really saw the bodice bodice stripper. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never really saw those bodice ripper covers because I was just like, like I went for the Sigma covers. I was like, I, I kind of branched away from that, but that makes a whole lot of sense though. But like, Elle Kennedy does like sneak a little trauma in there for all her characters. She adds like a lot more depth than I think you'd expect, which is nice because the reason that I read five of these and will continue reading them is because she like does like, actually have characterization for her characters. They exist, like, beyond, like, a two-dimensional, like, hot jock making a deal because this girl has a crush on the guy. Like, I've read that before. I'll read it again. But, like, I was really glad, I guess, spoilers, that Hannah had, like, a lot of sexual trauma because Mm -hmm. then that was something that they, like, worked through together instead of it being, like, And then they just accidentally fell in love while they were fake dating. Like, it was, it was nice that there was, like, something going on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, like, one of the things that, like, Elf Kennedy crushes. She does, like, very well. I feel like that's one of her, like, uh, major skills is, like, giving these people, like, uh, like you said, real world characterization. But yeah. Okay. Do you want to do the two minute summary? For sure, for sure. Let me pull it up. 
So, kind of similar to the to the um, uh, back of the cover, um, it starts off with Hannah and Garrett are in the same ethics class at Briar University. Their new teacher is a bit harsher than the previous one, and Garrett fails the midterm. Since Hannah passed, um, Garrett talks to Hannah or Garrett talks Hannah into tutoring him. Hannah agrees to the tutoring because one, like Garrett's super popular, and two, uh, she wants to make her crush Justin Cole notice her. Notice her? Excuse me. Wow. Um, so um, from then on, uh, Hannah doesn't usually like parties uh, because, like you know, we mentioned earlier, uh, when she was fifteen, she was drugged and raped at a high school party. Um, her rapist was the ch- uh, child of the town's mayor. So Hannah and her parents became um, outcasts when they tried to press charges against the kid. Um, so you find that out. Um, Hannah and Garrett start going to parties together and they become closer. And it turns, uh, turns out they get along quite well. Um, uh, Hannah is like a, she's like a vocal major. She's a, was it a choir major? And yeah, I don't know what you call that because that's not vocal performance. Uh, Yeah. I think that actually, that sounds a lot better. Uh, Hannah is a vocal performance major and she's rehearsing for the winter show. And she's meant to do a duet with this guy named Cass, who, you know, he's a jerk and he's a nightmare to work with. Um, and the song is written by her friend MJ. Um, Cass keeps trying to change the plan and eventually talks MJ into um, making changes that cause Hannah to drop out of the duet. So, like, Hannah was in the duet and then, like, I want, that's, like, a huge conflict in the book. Or not, like, a huge conflict, but it's, like, kind of a side conflict. Um, yeah, so Hannah continues to, continues to tell Garrett about what happened to her. Um, oh, wait, yeah, uh, yeah, talks about, um, uh, Hannah tells Garrett about what happened to her in the sense of the, um, the, like, drugging and raping, um, and then Garrett then, like, this is when they trauma bond, so Garrett then tells her about his abusive father, um, his father was a star ice hockey player, and he used to abuse Garrett's mom until she died of lung cancer, and then Garrett's father, uh, then turned to abusing him. So, um, from then on, we get, we're getting close to Thanksgiving. Um, these books are like chronological through the year. Um, but we're, yeah, so, uh, Garrett's dad tells Garrett that he expects him to come over for Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving. Garrett brings Hannah, since they're officially together now, they meet, uh, Phil, or they go to Thanksgiving and they meet Phil's new girlfriend. Um, he's clearly abusive to her too, and this, like, finding this out makes Garrett mad and they storm off. And, like, that's a, a scene in the book. Um, later on, one of the guys who testified in defense of Hannah's rapist bumps into Hannah at one of Garrett's games. Um, and, like, Garrett finds this out. And there's a cute, uh, oops, there's a cool hero moment where Garrett beats him up and then gets suspended for a game because of it. Um, that's a fun scene. Um, Phil goes, so, next, the next big thing that happens is Phil goes to Hannah's place of work. She works at like a diner, and um, so Phil goes to the diner and uh, tells Hannah that if she doesn't break up with Garrett, then he'll cut off Garrett's funds. Um, this would mean Garrett would have to drop out, like drop out of college and quit the hockey team. So, um, which is like it's a huge, it's a huge world breaking move, right? So this forces Hannah to then break up with Garrett and not tell him why. Um, she claims she wants to date other people, but Garrett kind of knows that's BS. Um, 
Hannah goes home for Christmas and is all mopey. She calls Garrett to wish him happy birthday on New Year's. Um, when, uh, when Hannah returns to university after winter break, she finds that Garrett has told everyone on campus that they like to stay away from Hannah. He kind of puts like a warning out that like you can't talk to Hannah. Um, just uh, in the book is, yeah, well, it's like, it was kind of like a territorial thing and like, I can kind of see it, but it is like a little, the book describes it as a dick move, but I was like, it's 50, 50 in my, in my opinion. But, um, so Hannah goes to go shout at him. Um, and then eventually she is forced to tell Garrett what happened with his dad. Um, Garrett tells her that he has a, he magically has a trust fund that, uh, like became his on his birthday that she called him for. I know. Right. Um, in that he got money from his grand- grandparents, so he's no longer relying on his dad. Um, so in the end, Garrett ends up with like loads of money and Hannah and him get back together. And then to top it all off, um, Briar U wins the hockey tournament. Boom. Huge dad. And that's, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. So I think that all makes sense. That's like all that, what, all that happens, but I think you're missing a little bit of like the emotional depth. Like, yeah, some yeah. of the stuff that happens is, like, when, like, Garrett has a lot of inner turmoil after he beats the shit out of the dude who perjured himself on the stand to help Hannah's rapist escape. Also, I guess trigger warning, warning conversations about rape, but, like, we're not really going to talk about it that much. But, yes, there is rape in this book. Um yeah. Garrett has a lot of inner turmoil about, like, losing his temper and like not remembering beating the shit out of this dude because he's like what if this makes me just like my dad which like that's interesting like that is not something you would expect in a book that has a woman in her underwear on the cover but like of course um and it's like it again it's the depth yeah it's like the depth to garrett's character um but he like I I like that. So I like that aspect of him, like trying to control, like trying to gain that self control and trying to like control his anger. But other times, like, uh, it kind of felt like out of place. Um, like there's a point where, um, when she first tells him about it, they're like in his dorm room and she tells him like, yeah, like I've been like I was like assaulted, and he like, like gets mad in that moment, and I'm like, it. He was kind of like throwing a fit, like. You know, like, the, the meme where he's like, oh, just found out about misogyny. Like, <laughs> like how could he, like, you know? It's like, I don't know. Um, she, like, uh, the way, at least, you kind of, uh, like, you, like, might have touched on this a little, but, like, Hannah's character, I felt like it was written kind of well for a person that was, like, assaulted. And then, yeah. like, has gone through therapy and, like, has handled it a little better. And so she's just like, like, yeah, like, it happened. You can't pretend that it didn't. And, like, handles it in a very mature way. But he's just like, oh, like, oh, my gosh. Just just heard about the wage gap. I'm disgusted. Like, I just yeah, thought that was corny. He does that a little bit. I will say, like, while this book, like, I think generally handles trauma well, there is a little bit of, like, I think a toxic idea of, like, the perfect partner if you have gone through, like, sexual trauma is just, like, magically going to heal you of that and you'll, like, never have an issue with it again. Like, a major plot point in this book, I notice you skipped all the sex in this book in your two-minute summary. Interesting, because... 
a major part of this book is that like Hannah is trying to so Hannah doesn't drink at parties because she got roofied and Garrett is like don't worry I'll protect you and she basically decides that she can trust him enough to like get drunk at a bar and she gets drunk at the bar and then has like a panic attack in the bathroom which like haven't we all because she feels like she like is never going to be normal, like, be able to be normal about sex, and, like, freaks out, doesn't tell Garrett why she's freaking out, and then the next day, like, I think the deal is a little bit of, like, a subterfuge title, because you think the deal that they're making is, like, I'll pretend to date you so this guy will like you, but the deal that they end up making is, like, I'm gonna heal you sexually, Because she's like, I'm never going to be normal. Like, I can't come with a man because I'm, like, so traumatized from this rape that happened when I was younger. Which, like, I think we're supposed to understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that, like, she's never had, like, that was her first sexual experience with a man. So, like, like, she's a little fucked up about it. And the toxic thing that happens, I'll, I'm here, I'm finally here. I'm back to why I started this, is that, like, she is magically sexually healed because, like, Garrett, like, reads a little bit online about how to help a woman who's traumatized about sex. And then they, like, masturbate in front of each other. And then she's magically healed and can get off in front of Garrett whenever, however. Like, no sexual trauma anymore. And that, to me, is a little worrying. Yeah. Uh, make it. They make it seem too easy. Like, they're... Like, and that was kind of, like, the first book is, like, she just kind of has a lineup. Like, Elle Kennedy kind of has a lineup perfectly. But, in like, IRL, it doesn't work like that, I guess. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. That's kind of, like, an ongoing theme of the pod is, like, in very popular fiction. Like, what we talked about last month with Akatar was, like, it's kind of toxic for Resan to end up being a good person because he, like pretends to be so evil to everyone except farah and like what is that telling teenage girls who are consuming this book like oh yeah if your partner is a dick to everyone except you that just means he's exactly like this really hot dude you read about in a book so like i doubt that women with like extreme amounts of sexual trauma are like looking for the perfect partner to heal them but i like don't know if it's, like, a great story to tell that, like, if you find the perfect partner, you, like, will be healed. Yeah, and I think that's probably, like, uh, I the one thing that I thought about while, um, or, like, why I compared Al Kennedy to Kanye was that, like, um, this book is, like, kind of dated, like, and it feels that way when you're reading it. Um, like, mm-hmm. the first time I read it, I really didn't notice, but, like, the second time I read it through, I was like, oh, like, I can tell this book was written in tw- 2012. Like, yeah. um, and I think that's why, like, the tropes that they have in the book are very, like, stereotypical, like, oh, like, jock, you know, girl who wears glasses isn't noticed, you know? But I bet in, like, tw- 2012, like, yes, those are still tropes, but, like, I don't think she'd, they had been quite done like this. Um, but yeah, they're, like, she does show, I will admit, like, um, though this is, like, a banger album, uh, she does show, like, uh, a, a, like, a dated, dated aspect to it. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. I also think, like, literally what I put in the outline is the question we must ask ourselves this episode is, are we feminists or are we just consumers? And I think when I'm reading a book like this, I am just a consumer. Like, yeah, 
you cannot enjoy a book like this if you are trying to view it through a feminist lens. There is no purpose in doing that. Like, just have some yeah, fun. Yeah, this book is very not feminist friendly. It, I like it. It doesn't have shining moments like that. Like, if you really wanted to get into it, but um, I I would definitely take yeah, just take it as a consumer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Hannah has like good past. Um, oh, the scene. So I like yeah, I, I didn't cover a lot of the sex scenes whenever I went through the two minute summary, but um, uh, like the scene where uh she like. <laughs> They have sex and she like finishes for the first time. She like cries into his arms. Like, I don't know. I, like, whenever you pointed out that it was like, yes, it's too picture perfect, but I thought that was a very realistic scene of like, um, she's never had that experience. How did you feel about it? Have you ever heard of the concept of the body keeping the score? No, no. It's basically, like, a theory about trauma that, like, even if you are, like, compartmentalizing really well, like, your body physically is going to start breaking down. I don't know. I probably just bastardized it. But, like, that felt very the body keeps the score to me in terms of, like, she, like, overcomes this big thing and then she, like, really is immediately just, like, sobbing because it's, like, not just, like a sexual release but like a mental release in terms of like oh my god this big thing that's been like hanging over me i can finally like let go of it um Mm -hmm. and i think that that is really good yeah i can understand she kind of gets that monkey off her back i can kind of feel that yes that is exactly what happens i before i rip i uh i have to clarify this because like a lot of times like uh outside of um, like on the on the internet, like Garrett's widely regarded as like one of the better or like the best male character in the books. Um, but I do I like I kind of disagree with that, and like sometimes I feel like I hate on Garrett and uh, a little too much. Um, but the like I feel like the idea that like I, I I sometimes I find Garrett a little corny or a little like Captain America whenever like he finds out she hasn't finished and he's like. Oh, don't worry, baby girl. Like I got you. Oh, I felt like that was kind of a corny part of the There's too much baby girl. There's too much baby girl. There's too much baby. There's too much. We'll talk about this when we talk about the mistake too. But like these books are literally like we're gonna have like an intense emotional experience, and then like the next sentence in like is like, and then I saw a little bit of cleavage, and my dick was hard as a rock, and then like that's <laughs> suddenly we're like done with the emotional moment, and they're like, okay. I don't know. I, I just really fundamentally cannot understand what it would be like to be that fucking horny all the time. That seems horrible. Like. Yeah. Well, especially like you, yeah, uh, in, in later books, I, the characters are like unnecessarily horny. I, like, I understand what you're talking about, but like, um, they are like, uh, the deal doesn't do, doesn't like, um, I feel like touch on it a whole ton, but like, uh, they are like crazy horny. Like these are like I was like, what is going on in this college? What is like Okay, okay, I, I just had I just had a very funny thought. I want you to tell me if you can count on like less than two hands the number of times that you saw like a really high level athlete at Truman wearing jeans. Like um, do you cause it was just sweatpants, right? Yeah, usually just sweatpants. Or, like, I could see, like, the baseball dudes, like, dudes who are a little too country and then, like, are also, like, crazy athletes. 
I think would wear jeans. I'm like thinking about mm. right now, but yeah, not often. You think the hockey uh, boys are wearing jeans or sweatpants though? Because I gotta tell you, this book it just has them constantly adjusting their junk. And it, I'm sorry, like if these men were like as hard all the time as they're talking about in this book, like they would be arrested on campus for public indecency. <laughs> Like, if they're wearing sweatpants all the time, and it's just, like, boner city, like, that would just be gross. It's also super uncomfortable. With as frequent as they get boners, you have to be wearing sweatpants. Like, like, uh, speaking from the male experience, but, um, (laughs) like, being bricked up in jeans is not fun. It is, like, it is, like, it's not painful, um, but it's not enjoyable either. Like, I don't know. Like, as frequently as these dudes get hard in the book, in this book, like, you, it would have to be sweatpants. And I feel like hockey players would normally wear sweatpants, or like, that would be their wardrobe anyway. But yeah, yeah. Um, How's that for realism, L. Kennedy? Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Well, I feel like Jeez. I feel like at least ten times in every book, she's like talking about their dicks, like straining to get through the zipper. I don't know. Yeah. It's that, like... That... Hmm. It have might some be just questions like over- for you, L. Kennedy. Yeah. And it might be just, like, egregious, like, sometimes, like, or hyperbolized, like, uh, erection talk, you know? Like, maybe <laughs> that's what she's going for, you know? I don't know. But I do, like, it's just outrageous as many, like, the the times she talks about that. Um, I would say uh, the the dad villain... Like, I felt like the dad villain was also another, like, cool part of the book. Um, like, he was, like, not cool as in, like, good, but, like, he's a, he's a very good villain. In comparison, like, like, Cass, we, like, talked about Cass earlier. Cass is kind of lame. Justin Cole is, like, like, a non-factor. Like, these other people that are supposed to be, like, antagonists in the book are kind of non-factors. But the dad, I thought was, like, a, a well-written bad guy. I don't know how you felt about that. No, I liked that as well. I especially liked that she made no effort to redeem him. Um, because I think that, like, other people in other L. Kennedy books are, like, given space to apologize and change and grow. And I am glad that, uh, Phil Garrett's dad is literally just there to, like, be a bad guy and for yeah. Garrett to grow personally by, like, ending their relationship and helping Phil's girlfriend, like, escape an abusive relationship. And Garrett, like, not to be, like, it ends with us, but, like, Garrett working to control his temper specifically so that he is not like his father. Yeah. Like, uh, when he's he- He's purely a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I understand what you're saying by that, but yeah. Like, when Garrett loses his temper and, like, freaks the fuck out about it like that's character growth because like truly it's great fucking news that garrett knocked that dude out like mm-hmm. love uh, it. yeah i remember when i read it i cheered or like i was uh actually i think i was in the car when i read it and i was just kind of like yes you know kind of like a silent yes <laughs> but like it was that's definitely like one of the most fun parts of the book is him just like leveling the dude and then you getting to read about it afterwards well and this is another time that the feminism needs to lead your bot leave your body i like maybe it is not feminist of me maybe i'm not doing a good job of like being in the 21st century but like i think it is hot when a really hot dude 
protects a woman. So sorry. Like, mm-hmm. take my feminist card. But I unfortunately <laughs> am like that. Like, in the love hypothesis, Adam Driver, like, Daisy Ridley is getting... It's Raylo fan fiction, so I'm just talking about the Star uh-huh. Wars characters because I don't even know if I remember their names anymore. Um, Like, Daisy Ridley is about to have all her research stolen by some dude, and uh, Adam Driver literally picks him up and throws him against the wall. And that, to me, I'm still thinking about that. Yeah, it's definitely a cool moment. I can, I can see how that's, like, I don't know. Like, it's... It, uh, do you feel like it's, like, primal? It's, like... I think oh, it's yeah, primal. He's protecting me. I mean, yeah. it is literally just like. Uh, do you know? Do you know the story of Pride and Prejudice, Brennan? Um, uh, like, uh, briefly, I watched the Pride and Prejudice zombies movie. I know oh, that there's Brennan. Like... <laughs> like, okay. I'm not well read. Okay. I don't. So I'm I'm, I'm assigning like, you homework before next week. I'm assigning you homework. You need to watch okay. the Matthew McFadden Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. It's not that long. For sure, but, for sure. So something that happens in it is that her uh, Elizabeth's stupid-ass little sister runs away with Mr. Wickham, and he has no intention of marrying her, and it's like a big scandal. And Mr. Darcy, like, takes his little carriage all across England to, like, track them down, force him to marry Lydia, and, like, does all this stuff. Garrett, everyone is just trying to be Mr. Darcy. Like, Jane Austen ate, she wrote a really good plotline, yes. <laughs> and every author since then has been, like, trying to write a male character who, like, protects and cares for his partner in the way that Mr. Darcy does. Like, that, that I think is what's happening here. Okay, I'll have to, because of that, I'll have to go and, like, consume this film and media. But, Here, um, I, I'll tippity-tap on the audio medium and look up where to watch 2005 Pride and Prejudice. I thought the zombie movie counted, in my opinion, but... No. Probably not. No. Because I Dang. also watched that, and it's fucking terrible. That is a terrible movie. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean... But it's also zombie movies that you expect it to be good. Eh, debatable, but that's it's probably true. not a great depiction of Pride and Prejudice. I can see how it's not a good, not a good uh, uh, rendition of Pride and Prejudice. The soundtrack for the 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie is also one of my like go-to study soundtracks. My cousin who just got married, who who concealed carried down the aisle, um, <sighs> got that he... strap on him. That's fire. <laughs> No, Brennan! Um, they, she, his bride walked down the aisle to the opening song from Pride and Prejudice, and I was like, oh shit. This is a great choice. Mm-hmm. You recognized immediately? Oh my god. Literally within seconds. Within seconds. Because I have had anxiety forever. And so I cannot study with words playing in my ears, but something has to be playing in my ears. And oftentimes it was that, or it was that How to Train Your Dragon soundtrack. Yeah, before we move on, 
Um, I used to, I would, I kind of had a similar thing. I had to study with music too, but I actually found that the Mario Kart music, <laughs> I would have the Mario Kart soundtrack, and it was like, you know, it helped me do homework like super fast. I would like fly through all my work, be like, da 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 da, you know, like as you, as yeah, you yeah, yeah. Homework, the, the music's just going. So two different that makes vibes. Sense. But I you really felt experience. like you were like trying to do something. You were trying to get to the next level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Well, oh my God, that's fascinating. We're such different music, people, Brennan. I feel like we're different and the same, though. Like, we both had to study with music, but it's two very different songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking of music, so fair. Um, The most unfortunate part of this book is Hannah being a music major. There is, like, a deeply brutal, like, four-page stretch that is literally just a description of Garrett listening to her sing a song on the guitar. I did not read it. I skipped it. Yeah. I saw him go get the guitar, and I was done. I didn't need it. Yeah. And and it's even, like, he goes to get the guitar from his, like, bro's room, which, like, quick point, side point, like, shows the 2012 in the book. Like, yeah, let me go find my teammate's guitar, and you can play for me, baby girl. Like, (laughs) um, but, yeah, that, I, I... I fully agree with, like, the the music in this book being, like, cringe. Like, it's just, it, sometimes it's unbearable. Um, I found the uh, the Thanksgiving karaoke scene, I was like, there's, karaoke never goes that well. Like, th- yeah. there, that's, I thought that was totally unrealistic. Like, karaoke, karaoke usually goes terrible, but, like. And that's the fun like, part. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the point of karaoke, yes, but, like. I get, like, that was, like, the moment where she got to, like, show off how she sings, and he's like, oh, she's so hot. But, like, that was, it was a, that was a huge cringe scene for me, too. Like, just the singing. Gave it too much camp rock. Gave me too many, like, high school musical vibes, like, you. Yeah, I just think generally, I do think Elle Kennedy saved herself here by having no lyrics in this book. If there had been lyrics in this book, I unfortunately, would not have read those either. Like, no, yeah. no, Dodge no. The if you want to be a poet, write poetry. Don't put lyrics into your cheesy ass hockey book. I completely agree. She and sometimes, like, I was sometimes like, um, I always try to decipher like whether L either like struck gold on accident or like um, did it with intention, and like she kind of like. I don't know if she unintentionally dodged that bullet of not putting lyrics in the book, but she really did. Like, that could have, like, like that would have been trash. But uh, I, I, I don't know whether she did it on purpose or not. I think that maybe, well, here's the thing. These books are coming out so fucking fast. I don't think she's doing things like trying to write lyrics that mean a lot. Like, I think she's just, like, chugging out hockey books because everyone is like clamoring for her to have the next one out already it's like too much work i can't fucking like i can't do this you know yeah Yeah, i can see that i can see that i can't write lyrics for hannah i i'm too busy writing the next book about a different giant white man falling in love with a small white woman yes although i will say As someone who has read a lot of romance books, 
I don't think there's two things that this book has going for it. One, no crazy age difference. No, well, no crazy age difference in this one, but crazy power dynamic change. Like, he unfortunately does have a lot more money than her. And I think we probably need to talk about the elephant in the room, which is that he convinces her to help him study by stalking her for, like, two weeks. Like, he shows up at her work. He shows up at her her dorm room. He sees her at a party and follows her out of the house. He, like, he... He really is stalking her, and we're just supposed to be like, it's okay, because he's hot. Yeah, again, I'll, like, I can't attribute it all to the 2012 of the book, but that is, like, I feel like, uh, it, it, like, now, those behaviors are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you, like, take a serious look at yourself. But in, like, uh, in 2012, I, like, it might have been more of a romantic gesture, but... That is, like, that is another thing that, um, I count against Garrett, because he is a little, like, um, whack on the whole, like, pursuing his girl. Like, he gets her number, um, like, even the whole, like, even kind of the concept of it, like, if you wanted help with your midterm, there's, like, other, like, you can go to your teacher, like, it's kind of a professor's job. Or, like, uh, there's, like, usually there's other tutoring things, but he's, like, let me find the baddest chick in my class who got an A. And then go well, after this leads me to some questions that I have about Briar University. Number one, another huge <laughs> dub from Elle Kennedy that she made a fake school. If I had to read yes. one more fucking book about people going to Harvard, I think that I would have had to just, like, not read it. But, like, I don't really know. I mean, it's a D1 school, so it's got to be big. So, like... I don't know. Or it's like, if it's supposed to be Ivy League, they're still smaller, but the professors are so prestigious that, like, they probably don't have access to the professors. I don't know. I think it makes sense the professor wasn't being helpful, especially, like, think about, like, the least helpful professor you had at Truman, who would be like, don't you, don't you understand? It just makes sense. It kind of seemed like this professor was like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that too, like, um, like it's, uh, like under, in a different school, it's like not their job, but like, shouldn't there be other, like, there should be other campus resources for him to use. Again, it could be 2012 again, but like, shouldn't there be other campus resources for him to use? Oh, um, there is. There's like, this study group and he's going to it and it's not helping him because none of them understand uh, the material. Cause Hannah, pick me behavior is the only one acing the class. True, true. Okay. You can also tell that this book was written in 2012 because her friends, when she's like, Garrett, Garrett, Graham is stalking me, her friends are like, well, why aren't you fucking him? Yeah. Or like Instead they're of being it, like, they, like don't, they don't care, zero concern. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that is like a really good point. Like they're just like, oh my gosh. Like, Meanwhile, if I texted, if I texted the friends group chat that like, this dude was following me around and just showed up at my work. Like, Bailey would call the police. Like, yeah, largely different response. <laughs> which, like, I don't know. This is, maybe this is a way that you can tell that this is a little bit of a book for dudes or a book that's, like, literally just meant to be consumed is, like, 
we're supposed to really not worry for people's physical safety in this book at all. Like, everybody's just yeah. fine all the time. No one's in danger. Mm-hmm. There's no real, like, uh, like, real world concern. I can see that, like, I can see it. I can see that, I guess. Um, I do think L. Kennedy does a good job of giving this book stakes, though, because, like, it's, it's a new adult romance. We know what's gonna happen. But, like, even though you see the train wreck coming, you see the miscommunication coming, you're still like, no! Why is this happening? Just talk to him! Yeah. I feel that. I don't know, I think it was smart for her to do, like, in concept, do a book, like, uh, that's hockey related. Um, what? And I guess this is like more visionary behavior from L. Kennedy because she like using hockey is like a really like uh interesting way for her to get like a um a student athlete that's also like I guess like a bad boy or like semi deviant, you know. And this and she did this all before like hockey culture was popularized or like um was like I like I will say mainstream. Um, because I didn't hear about like the trope of like the typical hockey dude. Of like, you know, how they like talk a certain way. I can't, I, I can't make, like, do an impression, but they like talk a certain way. And like, uh, they like, you know, uh, they have a mullet and they're like, you know, I can't express oh, it. Oh, like those but dudes who are all best friends who like go to college together and have that TikTok account. And there's the one with the mullet and there's the guy who's missing like two teeth and they yeah. rollerblade. And upper decky. Yeah, like. Yo, we're gonna give you some brewskis down at the bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I can't, like, I can't express it, but she hit that trope, like, way before it was popular, and I thought that was, like, kind of visionary. Um, the one thing that wasn't visionary was, uh, how bad Wellesie is as a nickname. Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. We have to talk about this. Her name is Hannah Wells. They go with Wellesie as her nickname, and they, like, she really misses the opportunity here to, like, use her first name as, like, an indicator of seriousness. Because, like, okay, so all my friends call me Tucker, right? But Sam calls me Emily. Like, if we were having, like, a very serious conversation about, like, the state of our relationship and he was, like, Tucky, I'd walk out of the room. <laughs> I would walk out of the fucking room. <laughs> Like Tucky, oh no! <laughs> isn't that uh, awful? Like it's so bad. Like she really misses an opportunity for him to be like he's like calling her Wellsy. That's his nickname for her. Whatever, terrible nickname, but it's fine. But like the fact that he never is like Hannah. Let's talk about this. What the fuck are you doing? Like yeah, take this like, woman he, seriously. Exactly. Like, she he can really level with her as a character. Like. Like Hannah, and then like boom, it's down to earth. Yeah, but yeah, Wellsy, a hilariously terrible nickname. She really went for like, um, again with like the hockey trope of like hockey players give their friends cool nicknames and like they don't communicate using their names on the on the ice. They'd be like, like, like Bennington or like you know like like different yeah. like, names like that. You know what I'm saying? And Wellsy was like a complete miss. She like not only did she like. Not use the name well. She just picked a terrible name. Um, yeah, she really. Why she doesn't even just double down on it. She like quadruples down on it. She will yeah. not give up on Wellsy. It's awful. 
Like it, it frankly takes me out of it a little bit because like, as I was reading the book, the more that she said, Wellesie, the more that I was like, I'm in hell. Like I'm in hell. Very cringe, very cringe behavior for her. And like, usually she hits everything. Like I like hits everything like uh, ahead of the game, but the nickname was like not no bueno, no bueno. No, it's not good. It's just not. Mm -hmm. Um, Brennan, now that you're talking to me about hockey culture, I want you to, I want you to give me some hockey lingo. Brennan's going to teach me a little bit of hockey lingo every week. For sure. So, um, this, uh, like you were talking about like, uh, hockey phrases or things that they do. Um, whenever they have hair, like a hockey player, like we talked about the mullet being popularized and like, um, like flow in hockey. One of the things that they call whenever they have their helmet on, it's cool to have your hair come out the back of the helmet. And this is like also a thing in football as well. Like once you have the hair coming out of your helmet, you're like, you know, it's like, it's a like, yo, I got the flow like that. Um, but in hockey, they call it lettuce. They got the helmet lettuce or like the, the cheddar. Um, that's like a, a hockey phrase that like is thrown around a lot. And you, like, again, like it's, you hadn't heard of it. Um, no, I but, haven't heard of it. Yeah, so that's like the lingo when they when they've got the flow, or like um, sometimes we run across it like in frisbee dudes who have like long hair and it's coming out the back. Like that's the lettuce. So she could have she could have used more hockey lingo instead of just butchering a nickname. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. I will say something that is fun about this book. I think she has the right amount of like writing about hockey. Like, we don't ever get, like, a play-by-play from a game, which is nice, but they'll, like, go back to the locker room and they'll be, like, thinking about a certain play, and I think that that's good, because, like, they're athletes. Like, it would be weird if we, like, never saw them on the ice, but, like, also, this is, like, erotica dressed up in, like, a hockey uniform, so I'm glad that she didn't, like, really commit to, like, I need to write an entire hockey game into this book multiple times because I think as much as I like people getting in fights in hockey like I don't know if I would have been really into like reading about what are they all three periods multiple times yeah yeah she doesn't she doesn't give you the full game um and like I did like as like a uh, an addition on to the like the storyline with the characters it was fun to hear about the hockey point hockey like points in the book um because it kind of felt like this is just a very horny version of like a Mike Lupica book. This year's, if you, you know, the male audience will understand this. There was <laughs> a few uh, sports books, like the Million Dollar Throw, or um, yeah, 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 like uh, he's a very popular like uh, young adult sports writer, and it kind of like at times it felt like that. So you like also like along with my like erotica, I also got some hockey content. It was kind of a little bonus. For, I mean, at least for me, but. No, I, I, I do agree with you. No, I agree about it being a bonus. Like, I don't really like to read just like straight erotica. Like, I prefer a little bit of plot. And I think L. Kennedy has a really good balance in the, at least in the first book. In the, in the second and third, you're a little bit like, oh my God, girl. Like, can you, can, can you chill out? For one fucking second, I'm begging yes. you to chill out. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Um, 
we we'll, we'll talk about uh like the other you get to know some of the other guys and we will eventually we'll get to talk about some of the other like teammates but some of them are like like, like outrageously horny like i don't know it it really know. is outrageous i will yeah. say though the hockey boy roommates is really fun i said this when we recorded it the first time but i'm repeating it because i mean it it scratched a really strong itch in my brain to like be living at the burb again with my closest friends and they like all live together and like one of them's the one who cooks and like they all like there's no slut shaming which is good because these boys really are having so much sex all the time and they also are just like generally pretty non-toxic like it's fun these books are fun and the boys being roommates are fun Mm -hmm. and another um market on the board another score for uh L as far as like having like not as well writing good characters, but writing a good group dynamic. Like even like the I felt like the dialogue between all the characters is like like normal and like it like it felt really real. Like she kind of uh like the, again like that's why I'm like amazed that this book is written in 2012 because she's like hitting all of the experiences that I had right on the head, you know. So yeah. um, you I guess the hockey boy roommates is huge. I was gonna make a joke, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, I was gonna um, say you experienced making a deal with a girl to help her get the attention of someone else because you were such a jock. <laughs> no, so like I okay, so I always felt that like uh Garrett as a character is very like an idealized guy, like obviously for like the girls, he's supposed to be like ideal. Um, but like as for guys as well, he's kind of like what dudes like want to say that they are or like want to like picture themselves as. Um, I also like, first off, he's super easy to peg as a coach's son, but um, he also like, you know, he's super popular, like team captain, dude only like, and that's what, I mean, that's what I say. He relates to me in those ways, but um, he like, uh, his character as far as like, um, He's still down to earth. Like, he's very down to earth as well. Um, like, dudes want to be, guys want to be seen in that way. Yeah. I guess. But. No, that makes sense. I forgot where I was going. What prompted that? I have no idea, but I want to, I have some questions for you about locker room culture. Oh, yeah. Okay. The funniest scene in this book to me by far is when Hannah goes to have her, um, a Cinderella story moment when she goes to yell at Garrett in the locker room and she walks in and every single dude in there has their dick out. Yeah. You, has you this been your like... experience? Because uh, this was the funniest fucking scene I've ever read. She literally walks yes. in there and is like, oh my God. Every, like, she literally says like, penises, 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 penises everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, that is like, uh, one of like another big, very highlight moment of the book where, she, like, storms into the locker room, and, like, so first off, like, I guess from my locker room experience, is like, that's kind of how it is, like, guys, you're just, like, you're just going about your business, and you're, like, you know, keep everything eye level, you know, you're looking at your bros, but, like, that, like, that, uh, that, like, experience, like, does happen, um, but I can't imagine, like, her depiction of, like, uh, her busting in the locker room, and, like, gasping, and everybody going quiet, 
was also like very like I can't imagine what that would like if like somebody stormed into your like stormed into the locker room at that moment. All the dudes like immediately cover up and like scramble for towels. I thought that was also like very well done. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's that's how I guess that's how locker rooms are. I don't know, especially like the hockey uh, hockey locker rooms. Like after, uh. Like, we would shower after, like, I played soccer, and we would shower after soccer, but they, like, it seemed like everybody was showering after hockey, so I guess, like, um, it must be, like, even even more to that extreme in a hockey climate. Well, and, like, cold sweat feels way worse than hot sweat. Yeah. Because, like, hot sweat, your body cools down, and the sweat cools with you, and it's, like, not a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. my my biggest red flag as a person is that, like, after frisbee practice, if I, like, take long enough to, like, go to bed, sometimes I will be tired enough to be like, well, I'm dry. Like, I think I can probably just go to bed. But, like, there's no way you can be, like, that cold and wet and just, like, cool down. Like, all you're going to do is get more uncomfortable. Yeah. So you probably have to shower. They Yeah, and I feel like it's also very common in, like, um, padded sports like footballs that way, um, where they uh they have to shower like that, um, because there's those uh there's those clips that like Antonio Brown got in trouble for taking a FaceTime and or he like got on Instagram live in the locker room after a game and like had some junk in the background, so it's happened before. Well, I feel like when the media comes down to the Chiefs locker room, it always seems like there's two different locker rooms. Like, it seems like there's, like, the media locker room where all their stuff is, and then there's, like, a room behind it that the media is never in. That's what it always looks like to me, at least. Yeah, well, and they also get tipped off. Like, they have to know that the media is going to be in there. Like, especially after, like, a championship win, like, whenever... Shout out the Chiefs. Um, whenever they like won the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl, like you know the media is going to be in your locker room, like or, like people are going to be going live, posing with the trophy and whatever. So they had a little bit of like they probably had noticed, but like uh, there have been like occasions where people have like uh, been on film in the locker room and caught some junk in the background. Oh, that is not good. Yeah, super cringe. Okay. Let's let's do the perfect man. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked about Garrett a lot. I'm a big Garrett fan. I think that he's very nice. Um, I don't like that he stalks her. I do like that he somehow manages to provide sexual healing with very little effort besides, like, being an attentive lover. Great. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't have that much to say about him that we haven't already said. Yeah, I kind of, I've spoken a lot on my opinions on Garrett. Um, he's like, he's very Captain America. Yeah. You know, like, kind of like, you know, you can't not like him. He doesn't really have any, like, super, like, other than, like, the, like, like, pseudo, like, the stalking. Like, I almost called it pseudo-stalking, but he's really a stalker. <laughs> It, um, it really is just stalking. Yeah, it's not even pseudo. Um, he, uh, I don't know, he's just kind of like, I guess like, he has some depth, like I called him a, you can tell he's like a coach's kid, and like the, um, 
he like he's just very team captain, I guess. Like, uh, I don't want to describe him as too run of the mill, but um, he's like he's a high quality character though, and like obviously, um, you know that's what she's shooting. Like that's what El Kennedy's shooting for when she gives a you know male protagonist or not, yeah, male protagonist in the story. So something that I think we should talk about in CompCon, which is um, that's week four when we talk about all the books together um is like whether or not it's believable that these guys are such like respectful womanizers like it's almost like oh my god we like we are fucking our way through campus all these women are like shamelessly throwing themselves at us it's amazing and then we met this amazing girl and like i don't know like Maybe I'm being a prude, but I feel like there are some questions to be asked about their previous sexual habits in, like, whether or not they respect women. Yeah, I think that's, like, uh, that's, like, a very valid, like, point to raise, is that, like, um, like, in the book, they're the most, like, perfect version of that, of, like, I used to be, like, a dude who slept around and, like, I magically have no conflicts with any other women. Like, there's really, like, no, um, other than Sabrina, um, Sabrina's kind of, like, uh, a character that, like, they've had a bad past with. But other than that, like, somehow they magically have no bad past with women, which I thought was, like, I don't know, maybe not always the case. Yeah, I, um, it's very, um, well, book four also has a character named John Tucker, but it's kind of very John Tucker must die. Like, it's very, like, all of these women have slept with the same man, but, like, I don't know, I, this is another reason I think Briar must be a big school, because, like, I don't really feel like Truman had that many opportunities not that I was looking for them, but, like, for, like, no-strings-attached sex. Because, like, everybody knew everybody, and you were, like, all in classes together. But, like, there are seemingly hundreds of nameless, faceless women going to Briar University, specifically they so they can sleep with the hockey team. Like... Yeah. Um, and that's what, like, uh, the hockey trope lets her get away with. She gets to have these, like, unnamed, like you said, nameless faces, like, puck bunnies. Um, Offensive. Like, like, yeah. Again, another non-feminist name that they use in the book. But, uh, they, like, like, Truman, yeah, Truman was never that way. Like, everyone knew everyone, so, you, like, if you had, like, a, like, a no-strings thing, like, and it ended badly, like, it really didn't come back to bite you. But they, like, in the book, suffer no repercussions. So, Yeah. I don't know, that Briar, you must be, like, like, you know, that indicating that it's a big school. I really do get that. Or it's just, like, super progressive. Mm-hmm. They're very sex-positive. <laughs> They're definitely sex-positive. Yeah, well, the hockey team is certainly sex-positive. Oh, uh, yeah. the other thing that they are positive for is every STD in the book. I'm so sorry. They cannot fuck this many, many women and, like, not have STDs. Yeah, the very... Uh, a very idealized version of that, yeah. They just, like, somehow dodge every bullet in the book. 
Well, and in some of the other books, the guys, the women will be like, oh my god, this is a problem, like, you're such a man whore, and they're like, don't worry, baby, I got tested at the beginning of the semester. Dude, it's November. You've slept with, what, like, 60 women at this point? Just this semester? Like, homie. Like, like, I, they have unlimited time, too, like... Like, how did they have time for all that? <laughs> that was, like, I, I, if we're going on more unrealistic parts about the book, these guys never, like, other than Garrett, sometimes uh, at other points in the book, they, like, never study or, like, ha- never have to do other things. They have just unlimited time for girls. Like, what? I thought that was wild. Well, and then you, like, get to their books, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm studying, I'm working hard in my classes, I have all these meetings, but, like, don't worry, we'll make it to this party. Yo, mm-hmm. I get that I'm a special case. I get that I, like, didn't go to that many parties in college. I feel like I went to a respectable number of Frisbee parties, but, like, I never went to a non-Frisbee party. Um, like, that was exhausting to do that, yeah, like, once like, a month. Well, like, yeah, to do that and then, like, still have, like, time to do everything and sleep and they're like going out every night i'm like that is like it's wild that they you know i guess like they're both characters so they're gonna get away with it but i'm like that is not well not a real not real college experience i guess and everybody else's liver is stronger than mine because like mm. oh my god my body would feel horrific if i drank as much as these people do like I I could not get out of bed every day. Oh yeah, and they like zero repercussions again. They have like they talk about having hangovers sometimes, but like not to the frequency that they drink, you know? Yeah. Well and like I don't know. Like maybe you and I are like lacking the experience of going to a D one school and like being in a D one party culture because I think at Truman there was always a little bit of an air of desperation at a party. Because there was, like, nothing else to do in Kirksville. Yeah, like, you you had, like, the only activity to do was drink. Like, yes, that's very real. I also uh, get the feeling that, like, um, that, like, Truman, I don't know, like, the classes were, like, difficult. And so people, like, like per the class, like, per your academics, you couldn't afford the party, like, every night, you know. Like, you could still go out, like, every, like, Fridays, you can have, like, a party, like, and be totally fine you know but they're like tuesday i'm having 17 beers and playing xbox with the bros i'd be like how are you not failing like what like maybe that's why garrett's doing so bad in his exams honestly like yeah they like they have terrible fomo they can't say no to each other yeah okay let's see you want to do i feel like we've kind of talked about too many hands i feel like we've We've discussed the amount of sex in this book and generally how I, the one thing, Mm -hmm. I, like, don't really have trouble suspending my disbelief that they, like, have kind of off-the-chart sexual chemistry, but I, like, cannot suspend my disbelief about this woman, this woman's sexual trauma being solved by, like, one mutual masturbation session. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um... That, like, yeah, I guess, like, the unrealistic, the too, too, uh, too many hands part in this book is, like, uh, it's solved too easily, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, like, the sex like, really generally only... makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, basically those were my comments for, like, everything else is kind of, like, vanilla. It's very, like, I guess, like, um, I don't know, nothing outrageous. It's not like they were, uh, <laughs> they weren't getting fingered in a steak and shake, so, um, <laughs> you know, like, it's, everything was very straightforward in this book, so. That do be happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, that's horrific. I still don't know whether or not it was before or after their food came. I, I like, know. I really have a lot of questions there, honestly. I was, uh, I was actually listening to that episode, uh, like, like after it came out, like, uh, I was like a week behind, and I like listened to that episode, and I thought, and that was all when I, already when I was locked in to come on to this, and I was like, I should lead off, uh, with, uh, the the restaurant that I'd be fingered in. I don't know. Oh my god, but, tell me. Tell me your answer. Bro, I'm uh I was gonna go Waffle House, because like it's three AM and nobody's gonna care anyway, so like the bathroom of a Waffle House would be like you know, like so much so many worse. No, 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 no. In the booth. It's gotta be in the booth. In the booth? <sighs> yeah, like you like this is this is like public. Dang, Waffle House has all glass windows, though. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's better than, I don't know, whatever you're saying, the, uh, uh, this is a throwback to, um, was it, was it Verity? Yeah, it was this, Verity. Yeah. Um, this is a throwback to the Verity episode. Um, but you said Sonic? And I was like, I would be horrified if I pull up to Sonic and, like, the people in the stall next to me are, like, like, doing freaky shit. I'd be like, I'm going to a different restaurant. Like, that's the only, like, whenever you guys were talking about that, I was like, no way am I doing Sonic. I don't know. I just felt like it was, like, the most privacy you were going to get. Like, people can see, True. but they, like, can't really hear. True. Um, that or, like, I don't know. My pick was gonna my pick was gonna be Waffle House, but when you said it couldn't be in the stall, I'm like shit. Um, but yeah, that's the best I got. As no, far that's as the, a good answer. That's a good answer because the staff probably wouldn't really give a fuck. Well, actually, yeah. no. I like think anyone who is uh, fingering someone else in the booth of a restaurant in front of wait staff deserves to be in prison. But like, that's neither here nor there. So okay. I have two Goodreads. Um, one is three. Actually, no, I only have. Yeah, I do. Uh, one is two stars. It says, this is what internalized misogyny looks like. And you know what? That's fine. I'm happy to have internalized misogyny if it means these books are kind of funny. I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to use my brain reading these books. Like, I'm really just trying to, like, read about two hot people falling in love. Like, go for it. Um, and then my other Goodreads review is three and a half stars. And it says, okay, 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 I get it now. This ain't no literary masterpiece in any way, shape, or form. Let's get that out of the way. Don't ever expect me to go into books like these using my critical thinking skills. It's very tropey. But damn, Lord have mercy. Why would I lay my life down for this white man? This was such a feel-good book, and I kind of enjoy pasty white people going to the ends of the earth for each other. 
And I agree with Which, both yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could see, uh, I guess, what is that, 3.5 out of 5? Yeah. Or 3.5 out of 10. Okay, okay. Yeah. 3.5 is a good, um, it's like honestly a very good, re- it's like, um, that's a 7 out of 10, honestly. I said it's yeah. a really good ra- uh, rating. I would probably give it, like, if I was going to give it an out of 10, I'd give it like an 8. You know, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a B in a letter grade. Um, but I give it the comparison as like, um, like this book is like, we've talked about it earlier, but this book is like a hit. Um, this is one of L. Kennedy's like masterpiece albums. Um, and she kind of goes on, she kind of goes on like a, like the next couple books are also fire. So she kind of goes on a run. I compared it to like its rap comparison is either like for Kanye. This is like college dropout four. Um, cause it is like, it's a little dated, but you can still listen to it now. You can still reread it now. And it's like, like it still applies. It still hits very true to like, um, like the settings are like a very college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my other, if people didn't like the Kanye, if you know, if Kanye's too controversial, I also give it. It's Kendrick Lamar's "Good Kid, Mad City" from 2012. Um, okay. So like, I guess it, like, hit, I hit the same time on that, but uh, like just like I liked rereading these, I. I would keep those songs from those albums in rotation because um, she really has a timeless hit with this. So nice. Okay. To to bring the curtain up, Brennan and I will immediately be recording the second book in this pod. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we wrap back this. To back. We're gonna wrap this one up so I can go to sleep by ten thirty. Um, yes, sir. This has been All My Friends Are English Majors. Follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Send us an email at EnglishMajorsPod at gmail.com. Next week, <laughs> in five minutes, we will be discussing The Mistake, which is the second book in the off-campus series. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.